following is a paid program on 630 WLAP. This is the Tom Dupree Show on News Radio 630 WLAP and WLAP.com. Welcome to the camp. I guess you all know why we're here. My name is Tommy, and I became aware this year. If you want to follow me, you've got to play pinball. And put in your earplugs, put on your eye shades, you know where to put the cork. Back on the Tom Dupree Show. And we have long-time caller John Short on the line. John, good morning. Good morning. Did you like my interview with Andy Barr? I did. Good. When you keep, when you, when you keep it in office, Amy Graff is the wrong person in the wrong place at the wrong time. We don't need her at all, no indeedy, non God's why she said let's bury Satero. I don't think she was in the military. I don't think she was in there. No, she was. You can't can't be saying that, John. I can't be saying that. No, no. Let's let's talk about Kentucky uh, football. Uh, we're five and zero going into Texas A and M. What's your prediction for the game tonight? Kentucky by five biggins. You think we'll win by five biggins? Yep. So it's going to be a close game. Yep. What what kind of night do you think Benny Snell will have? If it's a poor game or not, if it's a great game or a poor game, we'll still win. Yeah. You think he'll get 100 yards rushing? I hope so. Yeah. How about Terry Wilson passing? I think he'll do good. He, I think he'll do real great. Before Mark Stewart leaves the University of Kentucky, he needs to recruit a quarterback or break Jerry Ritson's records. He needs to do that before he leaves Kentucky. Yeah. Get the quarterback. I mentioned that. To Matt Jones last week, Matt Jones said, "What I have against Jerry Lorenzo, I think against Jerry Lorenzo because Jerry Lorenzo is a great quarterback. We just need, we just need Mercy's recruited quarterback at University to take a break all of Jerry Lorenzo's records. Okay, he and catch his record and broke the Lorenzo's records. I'm sure they wouldn't mind that either if they saw it happen. I know it. The only thing is Jerry Lorenzo. He's a he's a great player, a great quarterback. We just need somebody to break his records. Right." You know, he's on, Jen is on at 4 o'clock with Matt Jones and Drew Frank and Ryan Lemons on vacation. Yeah, today yeah. for the game. Yeah. All right, what do you think about uh, what happened with Judge Kavanaugh? I think he'll be on the Supreme Court. Yeah, I do too. Uh, Susan Collins voted for him or said she would vote for him yesterday. So. Yes, because her bring it, cause her say that on Handy's radio show yesterday. Right. All right, John. Well, we got to get into this show and talk about the economy. You have a great day, okay? Yeah, it's a great day, too. We're about five biggest nights. I'm ready for a game today. Yeah, me too. All right. You're a great American. Great American. We welcome uh, Darsh Mashru to the uh, show. How are you today? I'm doing well, Tom. How about you? Good. Well, we had a, a rather busy week in the markets Um one of the biggest things that happened for a lot of people that watch old line companies is that GE um, fired uh, John Flannery as CEO after several missed targets and uh, installed a, a guy named uh, Danaher. So uh, he's a board member. He's not from inside of GE. Yeah, Danaher is the company that he ran. His name is Culp. Oh, okay. So the guy's name is Culp. Yeah, that's his last name. First name, I, I think, is Larry, maybe. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about what happened with that. So it's it's not even been a year uh, since uh, John Flannery became the CEO of GE. And GE has some uh, active... Uh, activist type of investors on its board. One of them is uh, Nelson Peltz, who uh, manages train uh, partners. So there, there was an expectation that John Flannery was going to turn the ship around soon, uh, but the stock kept declining. Uh, they had to keep revising their targets. And uh, I guess there just came a point where they felt that uh, he wasn't uh, up to the job. 
So yeah. they let him go. Um, and the stock actually went up since then, <laughs> which is never right. nice if you, if you are the CEO that's been let go. Uh, but the same thing happened after uh, uh, Imelt was let go. Uh, so it still remains to be seen, but they've said that they may not meet their previous targets for the year. Uh, they're taking a $23 billion write down in their power business, which is the business that's had all these uh, problems. Um, and that's a, it's a goodwill charge. Man. Yes. It's a goodwill uh, charge, which is a non-cash charge. Uh, and they, were also downgraded, so S and P downgraded them to triple B plus from single A. Yeah, uh, and they're on uh, wa- uh, negative watch in Moody's. Uh, they used to be triple A. Yes, they used. GE to be. was triple A for years. Yes, and they lost that right after the financial crisis. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, they have some, uh, you know, debt that needs to be refinanced in their uh, in GE Capital. And, you know, interest rates have moved up, which, you know, hurts businesses. On top of that, they've been downgraded, so their cost of capital will go up. But uh, it, it seems like uh, they, they do have uh, options. They've talked about spinning off the healthcare business. They've got some assets in GE Capital, which could be sold uh, to raise capital. So just judging by the reaction of the stock market, you know, it still remains to be seen, but the the market is optimistic about these uh, latest moves. And the CEO uh, who was hired has a history of turning around uh, the company Danaher. Uh, so uh, he's more of a you know distressed company turnaround type of person. So th- there's optimism that he'll be able to do the same at GE. Right. He's 55 years old. Uh, he's the first outsider every, ever tapped to lead GE. Uh, they've always promoted from within. Yes, yes, and that's always been the culture of GE. Jack Welch, uh, prior to Emelt, had been at the company for 20 years before he became the CEO. Jack uh, Emelt, uh, Jeff Emelt was also uh, at the company for a number of years. So was Flannery. So this is an unusual move, but I guess, you know, these are unusual times also for GE, so they want to make sure that they tap the the best person to turn the company around. Right. Meanwhile, um, in the marketplace, uh, the uh, interest rates have gone higher. Uh, So uh, the yield on the benchmark U.S. government bond, this 10-year bond, shot to a seven-year high after a fresh batch of upbeat data underscored the strength of the U.S. economy and spurred investors to gird themselves for more interest rate increases. The U.S. equity market largely shrugged off rising rate expectations. Uh, not completely. That's. I think that might be from Wednesday. Yeah. Uh, Thursday and Friday we had... Uh, yeah, you, you had some, some uh, down right. business in the, <clears throat> on Thursday and Friday. It showed that activity in the U.S. services sector accelerated to its highest on record in September, according to the Institute for Supply Management. Right. Pretty good. Excellent, yes. And the U.S. is a service-driven economy. And even on the manufacturing side, we've seen a lot of uh, improvement. The uh, Purchasing Managers Index has been uh, positive over 50 uh, for the last, I guess, year mostly. Uh, And uh, we've also seen... A lot of other data, consumer sentiment is quite strong. Uh, unemployment is at the lowest since 1969. Uh, now, of course, you can argue that, uh, you know, uh, the labor participation participation rate is also higher, uh, lower. And um, despite, you know, uh, what happened over the last few days, the market dropped uh, quite a bit. Uh, most of the data that's been coming in has been extremely strong, and that's uh, resulted in interest rates moving up. Another thing that's interesting is that the spread between the two-year and the 10-year, uh, what people look at when they talk about the yield curve, uh, has actually widened uh, by about 10 basis points. 
Really? So the yield curve from flattish became a little uh, upward sloping, uh, which no one's talking about. But, uh, you know, that's that's also uh, a good sign because the fears of late have been, you know, about the yield curve inverting and the opposite happened in the last few days. Let's take a break. The You're listening to the Tom Dupree Show. It's News Radio 630 WLAP. From work to kids to running errands, you're always on the go. To work, the gym, or running errands. Luckily, getting the news is now voice activated. Hey, Alexa, play News Radio 630 WLAP on iHeartRadio. Hi, this is Tom Dupree Jr. Do you understand your retirement savings and investments? Do you know how much you can reasonably expect to take from them after you retire without diminishing the principal? If you haven't thought about these things, you should because they can affect how long your money may last. At Dupree Financial Group, we've been following things like this for some time. Our goal for our clients is to make their investments produce income for them from dividends and interest without diminishing their principal. If you'd like a free consultation about your retirement investments, Give us a call at 859-233-0400. We'll give you an honest assessment of what we think your investments will produce for you in retirement. That's Dupree Financial Group at 859-233-0400, DupreeFinancial.com, and the Tom Dupree Show Saturday mornings at News Radio 630 WLAP. 630 WLAP. Back on the Tom Dupree Show. Let's talk a little bit about crude oil, uh, Adarsh. Um, one of the uh, one of the biggest things that's happening out there, and nobody's really talking about it, is that the price of oil keeps creeping up. Uh, the price of West Texas Intermediate oil closed at uh, seventy five and change. Uh, I believe yesterday might have been even higher than that. Uh, let me see. Yeah, who says seventy four twenty nine? So okay, it's pulled back some. Yeah, but it's it's been pushing up for quite a while. Uh, talk a little bit about some of the supply and demand dynamics of of why this is doing this right now. So on the demand side, we know that uh, demand has been uh, increasing, and the biggest driver of demand is uh, an increase in consumption. We know that the economy is extremely strong, uh, and we are also in the summer months or towards the end of the summer months when demand uh, historically has been pretty high. You know, a lot lot of people drive uh, around this time of the year. So uh, a strong economy has led to increased demand, not just in the U.S., but ar- around the world. Uh, on the supply side, uh, you know, sanctions were reimposed on uh, Iran, uh, and Iran is a big producer. Uh, so right, and, and it, it shows that their economy is on the verge of collapse. They're- it is, yes. Um, so, I mean, the, the news has really tightened, you know, I mean, the different... Uh, ways sanctions can be implemented, you know. Obviously, their economy uh, is driven by crude oil, but uh, uh, you know they, they they also have financial assets overseas where you know sanctions can be implemented. So, uh, and th- that is the goal ultimately that you impose sanctions, and uh, you know the regime weakens, and then you have. Uh, a change in regime. Right. Um, so, sanctions on Iran have led to uh, supply uh, declines. Constraints. Constraints. Uh, also, uh, Venezuela 
is a big producer of oil. Uh, even there, there's been uh, you know uh, a decline in production. Yeah. Uh, so it's uh, it's a combination of both demand and supply factors, and uh, you know I, I suspect that you know it's the way it's rallied. It, it could keep going, but at, at some point, even uh, you know speculative forces take hold. So given that it's been going up for a while, uh, you know, a lot of uh, speculators pile in and they bid up the prices even more. So we, we may see uh, some sort of uh, either a, a plateau or even a decline. You haven't seen the prices of the inter- integrated oil companies rise quite as much as oil has. Yes. And that could be because, uh, you know, they, they are uh, being priced in for an, an ultimate you know, decline. Even if you look at oil futures, futures are lower, mm-hmm. and the the price of these uh, companies' stocks, you know, is looking forward uh, to the future. So, you know, at, at these prices, I read an article yesterday where the, the person was speculating that prices could go back to a hundred. It, it could happen, but I would think that that would require a major uh, supply shock. Uh, Oil production in the U.S. has been increasing, uh, and uh, if the economy does slow down, and as we head into the winter months, uh, if demand does decline a little bit, then we we could see you know prices stay here or even decline. Yeah. Um, anxiety starts to grow in the junk bond market. This is an article that you. Uh pulled out so the junk bonds are lower rated bonds and they can be a proxy for the equity market or uh, things like that you know what's going on with that i mean why is that happening yes i i think the spreads which is you know the difference between the yield on a u.s treasury and a high yield aka junk bond of similar maturities, the spreads contracted quite a bit, uh, which means that, you know, uh, if the yield on a 10-year treasury, for example, you know, is currently at 3.22, the yield on a 10-year junk bond was not too much higher, which you would think would be, it would be much higher because there's a difference in credit quality. So these yields, the, uh, the spreads between the two contracted significantly and i think now we are at a point where you know the spreads will start widening uh especially as interest rates uh go up uh the last time we saw you know major uh widening of spreads was uh around 2014 2015 because a lot of junk bond issues were tied to uh oil companies uh when there was that big boom in oil production uh, and shale production. So we are seeing that. Uh, we are also seeing, um, uh, I guess, just uh, anxiety uh, because, you know, markets have rallied quite a lot. Even junk bond prices, they haven't rallied as much as equities, and historically they, they do tend to keep up with equity. They have equity-like returns. Uh, there's just uh, uh, more caution about uh what may happen and how higher interest rates may impact a lot of these companies. Um, so I, I think that's led to uh, some sort of uh, uh, just anxiety in that market. Uh, and we, we may, you know, see spreads widen further. Yeah. Um, Jeff Gunlock, who is a manager of double line bond funds, uh, says that he thinks the, t- the 30-year Treasury has hit a point where rates could go a lot higher. Um, now, normally these pundits say that it, it's like they're l- looking to be the first person out there that, right. that said it, and uh, it doesn't always mean it's going to happen. Um, but he's, he's – and Jim Grant of Grant's Interest Rate Observer also believes that, you know, interest rates were kept um, – artificially low for a large period of time that there's 
a lot of securities out there that have very little tie to uh, uh, reality in terms of uh, their interest rates. I mean, <clears throat> you know, what does the average person do here, and what do you think rates are going to do in terms of uh, bond interest rates? So we know that we are at a point where the, the economy is extremely strong. Uh, inflation is picking up, uh, but still moderately. Inflation is not out of control. Uh, it's slightly over 2%. So when you look at the real yield on a 10-year government uh, note, uh, inflation adjusted, it's slightly over a percent or right around a percent. Uh, historically, and you know, Jim Grant argues that historically it's been close to 2%. That's true, but then we live in a globalized world, so if you look at what interest rates are overseas, especially in Europe and Japan, they're so much lower, Yeah, which means that uh, a lot of money has flown into, uh, a lot of capital has flown into the U.S. seeking higher uh, returns, and that's put downward pressure on uh, on rates on these uh, treasuries. Um when you, you know, if you think rates are going to go much higher, you know, what would cause rates to go higher? Uh, the the chief cause of higher interest rates is higher inflation. Right. And what causes higher inflation? Inflation's driven by two factors. One is demand, where the economy overheats. Uh, that sort of inflation is very easy to control because when that happens, the Fed steps in, they raise interest rates, or they start... You know, they, ha they still have a lot of mortgage backs and treasuries on their balance sheet, which they can start selling more at a faster pace. But the second thing that can cause uh, inflation is uh, supply side factors, which is what we saw in the 70s, you know, when there was that oil embargo, commodity prices rallied. Right. And that resulted in high inflation and high interest rates. At this point, we're not seeing any supply shocks where commodity prices, you know, have moved up like crazy. Sure, we, we have seen oil prices move up. But if you look at a basket of commodities, uh, they, they are still lower than where they were in 2008. Um, so we're not seeing any supply uh, shocks. So you could argue that as the economy heats up, if the Fed is behind the curve, if the Fed is slow to raise short-term interest rates or suck out the liquidity from the e economy. Rates could go up, up, but I don't see them going up like they did in uh, the 70s. Um, so, but as you said, you know, maybe they're making these predictions because they want to be right. the first to make these predictions. First out there. Um, Stay with us. You're listening to the Tom Dupree Show with Adarsh Mashru. And it's News Radio, 630 WLAP. I'm voting in the midterm elections because my constitutional right. Because my ancestors died. And to make it better for my children. The women before me fought endlessly. So we can remain free. Helping your community out. I'm voting in the midterm elections because. I know every vote makes a difference. My opinion matters. I vote. I vote. I vote. I vote in the midterm elections. To register to vote, go to IamAVoter.com. And don't forget to vote Tuesday, November 6th. Sponsored by iHeartMedia and the Civic Culture Coalition. Message and data rates may apply. If you're considering going back to school, ask yourself the following questions. Do you need the flexibility to take classes on your schedule? Do you have college credits to transfer? Do you want to earn a quality degree from a world-renowned university? If you answered yes to any of these questions, Arizona State University is the perfect school for you. Arizona State University offers over 150 highly ranked degree programs 100% online. You'll learn the same degree as you would on campus from wherever you are on your schedule. Plus, ASU Online accepts most transfer credits. For information, text ASU to 35517. Learn for yourself why ASU is ranked number one for innovation by U.S. News and World Report. And learn to thrive with Arizona State University. For more information about ASU Online, text ASU to 35517. That's ASU to 35517.
Brett Kavanaugh is expected to win confirmation later today as the Senate is set for a final vote on his Supreme Court nomination. It appears GOP leaders have the votes needed to seat him on the highest court in the land. ABC's Mary Bruce is on Capitol Hill and tells us it will mostly be along party lines. Republican Senator Susan Collins, a crucial swing vote, announcing her support. While protesters packed the senator's office, Collins argued there was not enough evidence to back up Professor Christine Blasey Ford's allegations against Kavanaugh of sexual misconduct. But her fellow Republican, Senator Lisa Murkowski of Alaska, came to a different conclusion. In my conscience, I could not conclude that he is the right person for the court. One lone Democrat, West Virginia Senator Joe Manchin, crossed party lines, announcing he is a yes. The vote set for later this afternoon. It follows weeks of bitter debate with lawmakers finding agreement in one area that the parties are more divided now than before the process began. Michelle Franz in ABC News. It is a summer-like feel that continues across the bluegrass as we kick off the first part of your weekend. Today, we'll see a mix of sunny clouds take over for the afternoon hours. A few isolated showers and thunderstorms will be a possibility with warm highs in the mid to upper 80s. As we get into tonight, conditions are nice and dry, partly cloudy skies taking over as lows drop into the mid to upper 60s. For your official weather station, News Radio 630 WLAP, I'm WKYT meteorologist Chris Johnson. Broadcasting live 24-7 from the heart of Big Blue Nation. This is News Radio 630 WLAP, an iHeart Radio station. My house has a new glow. I love my windows. Universal Windows Direct. Hey, this is Matt Jones. You need new windows, and right now, for every window you buy, you get the next window free. 859-300-8600. Or go to UniversalWindowsDirect.com. It's 2 a.m., yes? Uh, yeah. And you know you've refreshed that site 15 straight times now. Uh, yeah. And nothing's changing. Same page, same pictures, same posts. So why? I need to find a doctor in my area, but it's really hard, and so I stopped and started doing this. Okay, well, first, stop scrolling. Nothing good is being posted this late anyway, and it's social media. This is when the bad comments come out. And second, know that with Anthem, you get access to an online tool to help you find the right doctor that's convenient for you and in network. Oh, that is nice. It is. You know it's not? That picture you just liked. What, what even is that? A picture of cupcakes my sister made. Those are cupcakes? I thought they were meatballs. For all the things that keep you up at night, Anthem has a solution. Like finding you a doctor who's convenient for you, in your area and network, all through a simple online tool. Anthem Blue Cross and Blue Shield. Rest easy. Anthem Blue Cross and Blue Shield is the trade name of Anthem Health Plans of Kentucky, Inc. 630 WLAP. Back on the Tom Dupree Show. You know, we get a lot of people who come into us and their money is invested in ETFs, exchange-traded funds, and it's a type of mutual fund that uh, that trades on the open market. Um, and you've got here an article that says that the uh, actual costs – because they tout themselves as being low cost, uh, low management fees, and you're saying it's not as it appears sometimes. Right. So, I mean, ETFs do tend to have lower fees than uh, open-ended uh, mutual funds, um, and that that is a big uh, benefit. Some would also say that they're more, uh, in fact, I, I think you can say that they're more tax efficient than uh, mutual funds. Uh, but <clears throat> they do tend to have uh, fees. The The most obvious fee is uh, uh, the expense ratio, which is advertised. Uh, but that that's usually depending on the type of ETF, you know, if it's 
like an S&P 500 ETF uh, from Vanguard, it could be as low as four or five basis points, and then it goes up uh, to 25, 30. Uh, a lot of international funds are close to 1%. Um, those are more mutual fund-like fees. And uh, there are internal costs. So if you know a fund is buying and selling uh, often, then there could be uh, internal transaction costs. There could be uh, tax repercussions. Um, and uh, also different ETFs are st structured differently. So there is a perception that if Fidelity has, you know, so-and-so, for example, S&P 500 ETF, and then uh, this other company has a similar ETF, that they're both identical. S&P 500 is probably not the best example, but, you know, say a developed market ETF or European ETF, uh, they may look like they're the same, but uh, they're not always uh, being managed uh, in the same uh, fashion. So the the whole point of the article, and this is something that we do uh, at Dupree Financial Group, we avoid using these packaged products, uh, just products that have an external manager to avoid these costs. Uh, so when we buy a security directly, whether it be a stock or a bond, uh, there's no expense ratio or management fees that we pay to a third party. Uh, and that can add up over time. Uh, you know, even a half a percent uh, expense ratio, which is pretty typical for a lot of ETFs, uh, over a decade or two decades can be a lot of money. So we, we try to avoid paying those fees uh, and we uh, buy securities directly straight uh, from the exchange um, and we try to avoid those costs. So it's important to keep in mind uh, that, you know, when most people are shopping for uh, investments or financial advisors, you know, they, they look at uh, their, the financial advisor's fees but they don't take into account that the products that the advisor uses could also have fees right. uh, and all those fees add up. So it's important to pay attention to fees, total fees that you're paying. It's important to pay attention to after-tax returns, not just returns. Taxes can eat up, you know, if you're not managing your portfolio for tax efficiency. If you are in a tax, if you're investing in a, in a taxable account, then taxes can make uh, a big difference and transaction costs, you know. So if you're buying and selling constantly, then there's transaction costs, which, uh, you know, the broker charges. So all these things can add up and it's important to take a low-cost approach and a tax-efficient approach to your investments. Right. Yeah, it's something that, uh, we've tried to do is that we try to give the clients a look under the hood at exactly what they are investing in because one of the um, hallmarks of capitalism is that you have choices and uh, we like to put in people's minds the choices that we've made to uh, invest their money and to, to help them understand the companies that they're going into because if you don't do the research on the company and this is a big argument between people like Jim Grant who argue for uh, doing research versus say John Bogle who say that you should just do indexing well if nobody's doing any research on the underlying stocks how can you know what you're really invested in you know you, you it's it's crazy, and yet people seem to be uh, content to just follow the indexes. Right. That's where the big money has gone for a long time. But when there's a pullback in that, uh, it can be very powerful and quick. Absolutely, and it becomes even more important when you are in the later stages of your life. You know, if you're young, 
you can argue that okay, you still have t- you still have time to recover if there's a pullback, or you can still make additional contributions from your paycheck. But once you are close to retirement or in retirement, that's when it becomes extremely crucial. You you cannot afford to you know have a major pullback and hope that you know you'll make it back. You just don't know. So that's when uh, proper investment management becomes important you know index funds by their nature especially uh, when when you look at an S&P 500 index fund which is market cap weighted which is another thing people often don't realize what that means is that companies which are the biggest have the biggest size have a proportionally higher weightage so you're not buying an equal portion of 500 different stocks when right. you buy you know you're buying seven eight percent of one company and 0.5 percent of another company so it becomes momentum driven because companies you know uh that are going up they have a bigger and bigger proportion in the index and then when that reverses the momentum can reverse very fast too where those large companies drop and have you know a greater impact on uh the fund so when the market's going up you know there's always complacency this is not the first time you know this has been the case throughout stock market history where people tend to think that what's happened in the past will repeat into the future um so it, it's important to know uh, how you are invested it's important to have protection in the portfolio and by that i mean that don't just put 100% into you know a single fund or a single sector you know always have diversification include some bonds you know despite even if you believe interest rates are going up despite that it's not, it's good to have uh, some allocation to bonds because bonds do tend to provide returns that are not directly correlated to the stock market uh, bonds also act as shock absorbers and when i say bonds i mean high quality bonds not just junk bonds so these things are important uh and um time is crucial so the closer you are to retirement the more attention you have to pay to these factors yeah right and um the bonds can be used to fund uh purchases of more of the stocks if they get cheap right a- absolutely uh which is which is the great thing about uh you know having diversification because in the event you know of a major financial event like 0809 or like the late 90s uh or you know 70s when which was extremely inflationary at that point commodity exposure helped so it's always good to have diversification because uh when one asset class does not perform well uh ideally there'll be another asset class which does perform well and because of that you'll have the opportunity to buy uh something on the cheap you know whether it be stocks or whatever it be right um so yes diversification is is crucial Automakers consider shifting more manufacturing to North America. Foreign car makers are considering moving more manufacturing to North America from their overseas plants following the recent US trade deal with Canada and Mexico. So evidently the way they restructured NAFTA was uh very convincing and um yes so sense to a lot of automakers Yeah so they they made some changes one of the changes was you know in an automobile it used to be that uh, 63% of the parts that went into that automobile had to be made in North America mm-hmm. they raised that to 75% so more uh products that go into the car have to be sourced from North America um the second thing they did was uh, a certain percentage of uh, the labor that went into the production had to be paid above uh, i think it was $15 that was the threshold so that means that you know they they may have to move some of the production from a cheaper place like Mexico back into the US yes. or Canada uh so they made these changes with the intention of 
keeping more production in North America and uh, that includes Mexico. It, it does, yes, it does. So Canada, the U.S., and Mexico, um, and uh, the goal was to make it fair, where you know, a lot of production moved to Mexico because of cheaper labor costs. But this new deal is designed to uh, offset some of the, you know, labor uh, advantages that that Mexico had. So some of the production will move back to the U.S. Uh, now, some people argue that over time that will raise costs, uh, and that that could happen. Uh, but. Uh, as a consequence, at least in the near term, more uh, manufacturing will be done, uh, perhaps in the U.S., and more products will be sourced uh, domestically uh, than overseas. Right. Why do so many Americans still work multiple jobs in strong market? Uh, the U.S. labor market has come a long way in recent years, but one key measure has barely budged reflecting lukewarm wage gains as well as broader shifts in the economy. Multiple job holders make up 5.1% of the total employed in August, and the share has been hovering around 5% since the expansion began in the mid-2009. That's despite employment, unemployment having plunged to 3.9%, an almost five-decade low. Let's, let's talk about that when we get back. Okay. All right. Stay with us. You're listening to the Tom Dupree Show. It's News Radio 630 WLAP. This high stakes political battle. The fight. Fight for America's soul. We gotta fight like hell. To shift the balance. Take control of the house. Take back the Senate. Of power. Power. That's what the election is about. Updates on the midterms. Back and forth until November. On News Radio 630 WLAP. Hi, this is Tom Dupree Jr. Do you understand your retirement savings and investments? Do you know how much you can reasonably expect to take from them after you retire without diminishing the principal? If you haven't thought about these things, you should because they can affect how long your money may last. At Dupree Financial Group, we've been following things like this for some time. Our goal for our clients is to make their investments produce income for them from dividends and interest without diminishing their principal. If you'd like a free consultation about your retirement investments, Give us a call at 859-233-0400. We'll give you an honest assessment of what we think your investments will produce for you in retirement. That's Dupree Financial Group at 859-233-0400, DupreeFinancial.com, and the Tom Dupree Show Saturday mornings at News Radio 630 WLAP. 630 WLAP. Back on the Tom Dupree Show. Well, Adarsh, um, we're going to talk a little bit instead about the markets. Um, you had pretty big sell-off uh, yesterday and on Thursday uh, in response perhaps to higher interest rates. But uh, describe to us a little bit uh, what went on and perhaps why the markets sold off the way they have. So I think the apparent reason, and at least what, what the news media was saying was, and obviously rates did go up, and that's what the, the media was attributing this fall to. Uh, the, the rates on the 10-year Treasury went to 3.23%, mm -hmm. which was quite a big jump prior to that. You know, it was um, around 3.1%, and then that was almost... Uh, 0.13 percent uh, jump in in a very short period, uh, and that was primarily because a lot of economic data that came out was was positive. Uh, but but I I think that you know when you break it down, uh, when you look at what drove uh, markets down, the biggest driver was uh, technology. Nasdaq fell a lot more than the Dow Jones. And the S and P, and a lot of components of the Nasdaq are also make up the S and P. Uh, so your tech stocks, your Amazon, Google, they fell quite a bit. Um, 
And then small cap stocks, measured by the Russell 2000, fell quite a bit. Um, the Dow Jones, actually, even though it fell, it held up better than uh, uh, tech stocks and small cap stocks. So I, I think that uh, this sell-off was driven by just the fact that the market, especially the NASDAQ, has had quite a rally this year. So, mm -hmm. you know, a correction was just overdue. And yesterday, after the fall, the market recovered almost half of the decline. So the S&P at one point right. was down over a percent, and it closed down 55 basis points, so a little over half a percent. So some of that uh, uh, decline was uh, re recovered. Yeah. Um, so, you know, if you were to point to a fundamental factor, then it seems like interest rates... And when interest rates go up, it means, you know, the cost of capital is going up. And that usually tends to uh, scare stock market investors. Uh, but at the same time, we've had a pretty, despite all the volatility this year, uh, you know, the S&P is up close to 10%. Uh, and the NASDAQ and the Russell 2000 are up even more. NASDAQ probably 13% or so. Um so we've had a pretty decent rally this year and, you know, markets also tend to go down. Uh, and given what's happened in the last few years, given all the optimism, uh, you know, about the economy, uh, I, I think there was a sense of uh, exuberance that was building up. We saw that in January of this year where the market rallied 7% over the course of three weeks. Yeah. That's... Highly unusual, and after that we saw that big drop in right. early February, and the market recovered. And here again, lately we were seeing, you know, some sort of uh, an exuberance because the tech stocks kept doing well. The Dow Jones uh, came back to where it was in uh, January and made a new all-time high uh, last week, so that was uh, creating an exuberance. So I, I think uh, a decline of this sort is is uh, a part of you know what markets do when there is a, a buildup of uh, excitement, um, and these declines are healthy for the market. If you want to see the market do well over time, you want declines. You want to see declines uh, during regular intervals because that gives uh, the market an opportunity to uh, you know shake away shake off uh, that excitement um, and uh, build a base to uh, to make its next move. Uh, so I, I think that's that's what caused this. Mm -hmm. So let me get back to this other thing we were talking about. Why are many Americans working multiple jobs? We, we described that earlier, and uh, the wage gains haven't been quite enough to Yes, so uh, there are two main factors. One is wage gains, where wages haven't gone up as much, although some argue that at this point in the cycle, when the economy is really heating up, there, there is a shortage. We are seeing it. Amazon this week announced that they were going to raise their minimum wage to uh, $15 starting November. Right. Walmart announced something similar a few months ago, but they weren't going to start right away. I think they said by uh, twenty. Two or twenty-three, um, and uh, so we are starting to see wages move up, but they haven't moved up rapidly like you would expect in an expanding economy. Part of the reason could be uh, a simultaneous increase in productivity, where businesses are investing more in in machinery and new technology. Mm -hmm. So you know the what one worker could do in one hour that same worker can do that in 30 minutes perhaps yeah um the second big reason is the transformation that's taken place in how the economy works uh where because of an improvement in technology uh we might be in uh, we are in what's known as uh, a gig economy where you know someone may have a job but after they finish that job, they may turn on their Uber app and, you know, start doing Uber. Yeah. 
So that's that's that also counts towards a second job. Right. Um, and it could also be uh, the preference. Millennials prefer, unlike the previous generation, to have more flexibility where they don't like the nine to five structure. Uh, they like, you know, working uh, remotely, for example, or they like, uh, uh, you know, working at different hours. Uh, so in order to facilitate that, uh, they are taking up different jobs that allow them to do that. Uh, or one job may allow them to do that, but that may not be enough uh, to uh, uh, pay the bill. So they pick up a second job in order to have more flexibility. Uh, the... Other reason could be um, just the fact that um, um, I lost my train of thought. But the the economy itself has has transformed, and technology has facilitated in right. people being able to uh, work in different ways uh, than they could beforehand. Right, right. Um, so you know whether this continues, we don't know. Will millennials, as they get older, start preferring, you know, more structure where they go back to nine to five jobs. If those jobs are still there. Right. If, if those, right. Because the job market has changed also to where right. it doesn't provide as many of the nine to five type jobs. Right. And another interesting that the thing that they found was that people who are more educated tend to have uh, more jobs, more than one job, which is, the opposite of what the situation would have been uh, right. a few decades ago. And that's because the more educated people uh, in this gig economy are able to get more consulting gigs on the side. Yeah. Uh, you know, they're able to work. Uh, people who are programmers are able to work for a few different companies at the same time. So they, the economy has transferred, transformed, and that's what's resulting in. If you'd like to have your retirement investment portfolio looked at call us at 859-233-0400 it's dupree financial group you've been listening to the tom dupree show today with adarsh mashru go cats go cats uk number one news radio 630 wlap